Welcome to the Chosen People Radio Program, a production of Chosen People Ministries. On this program, you'll hear inspiring stories, learn about messianic apologetics, and discover God's plan for Israel and you. Now let's welcome our hosts, Mitch Glazer, President of Chosen People Ministries, and Robert Walter, our New York Regional Director. Shalom, friends, and welcome to the Chosen People Radio Program. I'm so glad you can join us, and we're going to continue in our series on Jewish objections to Jesus and our faith in him as Messiah. There are probably a lot more than 12, so there's more than a dirty dozen, I can promise you that. But we're gonna touch on a few more in this hour. We're gonna do two of the objections, and hopefully uh, these will help you uh, in your witness to your Jewish friends and family. Uh, Helping our Jewish friends get over these stumbling blocks is really important. We need to pray. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need his wisdom in the midst of conversation. But we shouldn't shy away from handling these objections because there are some pretty good answers to them. But I want to remind you once again that what's important is not just what you say, but the expression on your face and the way you say it. And so the the message sometimes is the medium. So you are sometimes the message. So remember, don't be argumentative. Don't get offended. Don't let a Jewish person uh, make you feel like uh, it's impossible to respond to them. Even if it, uh, the Jewish person is not eager to hear what you have to say, if you do it nicely, gently, and sensitively, I think that a Jewish person can respond to these. And some of these are emotional and volatile types of objections. And we'll be getting to one of those in just a moment. With me is my co-host, Bobby Walter, who leads the work of Chosen People Ministries in New York City. Welcome, Bobby. Yes, yes. Shalom, Mitch, and shalom to all of our listeners. Uh, As always, we're, again, grateful that you're joining us. And Mitch, you're right. We are going to be touching on these two particular objections. And the first one that we're going to look at is really heavy. Uh, this is a very heavy topic, uh, so I just want to kick it to you, right? So, w- with this oh, particular objection. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> wow, yeah. what did I do? Uh, you know, anyway. Oh, well, well, I, I, I guess by God's grace, it was overcome in, in my soul, so I guess I get to speak to it. So Yes, yeah, I think that's why it's probably most appropriate for you to field this particular objection. So, this is the objection. Okay, a Jewish person uh, may say that they cannot believe in Jesus because there has been over 1,500 years of violence against the Jewish people at the hands of Christians or Christian institutions, which would include the Holocaust in the views of Jewish people and other horrific atrocities over the years. Yes. Um, Well, thanks for that easy question, Bobby. You know, Mm -hmm. uh, so... We can work our way backwards, maybe. Probably the ultimate aggression against the Jewish people that Jewish people feel has have been perpetrated against them by, quote-unquote, the church, is the Holocaust. So you remember that scene in uh, Schindler's List. If you haven't seen it, you really must. It's going to help you really understand Jewish people. And uh, Spielberg's father himself was actually a Holocaust survivor. And there's this one scene with the German officers sitting around the Christmas tree, opening presents, and it's all sparkly and light, and it's really a beautiful tree and a beautiful blonde family, and this Nazi officer who was in charge of the prison camp. Of course, the next day, you see the Nazi officer 
uh, shouting and screaming at Jewish people and uh, punishing Jewish people simply because they were Jewish and some Jewish people eventually were executed. And uh, so how do you put those two together? A, a warm Christmas scene with the same person who's the head of the family as the officer in charge of a Nazi concentration camp. How do you put those two together? Well, you can't. You can't put it together. But unfortunately, in the minds of Jewish people who might not know any better, they are very much put together. The honest truth is there's been a lot of Jewish blood spilled in the name of Jesus by what I would call violent and ungodly men and women who have simply not represented the real Messiah in a real way. They were inauthentic Christians. Um, the most common reason uh, for this is allegedly theological, that the Jewish people rejected Jesus, that they broke his laws, that they broke his covenants. And uh, a lot of uh, these quote-unquote Christians would say, look at what the Jewish people have done. They deserve it. Uh, but in reality, if you trace the history of anti-Semitism through the ages, you will see that underlying these theological objections was the pure and simple fact that these people just hated Jews. Hmm. Why they hated Jews, we're not sure. We think that there's a cosmic element to it, Bobby, that mm -hmm. uh, when God chose the Jewish people, chose Father Abraham in Genesis 12, that the Jewish people made an enemy in the devil. And the devil was going to try and prevent uh, what God called the Jewish people to do, to be a blessing to the world throughout the ages. And he would use false Christians uh, to do his bidding. And so I'm not giving everybody a pass because they can say the devil made me do it. But I do think that the devil had a strategic plan to destroy the Jewish people. He tried to prevent Jesus the Messiah from coming the first time. He tried to destroy the Jewish people so that there never would have been a prophetic word written. And he used the Gentile nations of Babylon and Persia and other nations to try and destroy the Jewish people. And then we see in the New Testament that the day is coming when Jewish people will turn to Jesus and Jesus will return. Romans eleven twenty five, Matthew 23, 37 through 39, Zechariah 12, 10. It's clear that God still has a purpose for the Jewish people. And so the devil is still trying to destroy the Jewish people. And so how do you answer this? Well, I think you just need to embody the love of Jesus in your heart and soul and become a good friend to a Jewish person because light shines brightly in a dark place. And it's already pretty dark in terms of Jewish understanding of Christianity. And so if you are a bright light of love, of friendship uh, to a Jewish person, then they are going to be struck with a different anomaly, with a different kind of disparity. You know, if Christianity doesn't like the Jewish people and here's a Christian and they seem to be fervent in their faith and they seem to love Jewish people and love Israel, then maybe there's something going on here that I don't understand. And so I would encourage you that the best counter to this argument is to be a loving light to your Jewish friends and family and to maybe even apologize for what was done in the name of Jesus, even though you didn't do it, and tell them straight. I didn't do it. I think it's horrible, but I, I just want to say I'm sorry that this happened to you and to your people. That's not the way Jesus is.
And then you might encourage them to read the Sermon on the Mount. I find that the Sermon on the Mount is the best counter to believing that there's something wrong with Jesus or that Jesus is unkind or mean uh, or hates the Jewish people, in fact. I mean, of course, we know Jesus is Jewish, but the Sermon on the Mount is one of the best places to show the ethics and the love of Jesus. And for me, it happened that way. When I read the Sermon on the Mount, I said to myself, how could this be the same faith mm-hmm. of those who murder Jewish people? Mm-hmm. It's, it, it just doesn't make sense. And that turned a corner on my own pilgrimage once I realized that Jesus was really was the epitome of love and that whoever didn't love was definitely not following what Jesus said. So that's the way I approach this objection, Bobby. Yeah, I think that's a great approach. It's very personal, very pastoral, very uh, genuine as well. Uh, and getting down to, you know, brass tacks, you know, ground level with someone. And I think when we come to our next objection here, it's almost in the same vein. Uh, and this objection, this is one that I've heard a number of times as well, where a Jewish person will say that they cannot believe in Jesus because the New Testament is a flawed anti-Semitic document. Right. Uh, and this one, um, you know, sadly, this is another example of how the enemy, Satan, I believe, has used different people throughout the past 2,000 years to twist and misinterpret and misimply certain passages in the New Testament. Now, again, just want to be very real here for a minute. There are passages in the New Testament that if they're read out of context, they might sound anti-Semitic. And, you know, I just had the privilege of teaching through a course on the entire Gospel of Matthew. And we find some of these passages there. But what's going on there when you look at it in its context, it's not anti-Semitic. It's Yeshua, Jesus, the Jewish Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham, rebuking his generation, speaking very strongly to his particular generation because his generation was not fully grasping and recognizing who was in their midst, that the Messiah had come. And the tone that Jesus has in the New Testament, in the Gospel of Matthew, uh, is no different than the tone that we see with the prophets in the Old Testament in speaking to wayward Israel at different points in her history. So, the way that Jeremiah speaks and rebukes uh, certain Israelites or, um, or individuals within the Jewish world, it's very similar to the tone that Jesus has. So, th- the New Testament is not anti-Semitic. It is, again, like we mentioned last week, it's a continuation of these promises and this plan that God has for all creation, including Israel, including Israel's ongoing role and purpose and place in God's plan. So, when we come to the New Testament, we see that uh, Yeshua himself taught that salvation is from the Jews. John 4.22. We see Paul mention how the Jewish people are loved by God on account of the patriarchs, that they have not been cast off or cast aside, but that God does have a plan and purpose and that where things are heading in the unfolding of God's overarching kingdom plan is to a place when Jesus returns and Israel, the Jewish people as a nation, accept by faith that Jesus is indeed the Messiah, and they receive this national rebirth and spiritual restoration that takes place. Right. There's there's no doubt that Jesus is not an anti-Semite. He's Jewish. See, the problem in part there, Bobby, is because uh, some Jewish people view Jesus as a quote-unquote convert, as a Christian who crossed the line, even though there was no Christianity, obviously, before that time. 
but they, they take away Jesus's Jewishness and therefore believe that the way he's talking to the Jewish people uh, reflects Christian attitudes uh, to the Jewish people. And so, again, the best way to get over this is to patiently love your Jewish friend and to maybe point to them uh, some of the verses in the New Testament that you shared to show that God's ongoing plan with the Jewish people is, is still intact and that God loves the Jewish people and that those who do not love the Jewish people and treat them with respect are in deep trouble. Can I quote uh, Genesis 12, 3? I'll bless those who bless thee and curse those who curse thee. And through you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And so we all want to be on the side of blessing. <laughs> so let's make sure that we bless our Jewish friends and show them the love that Jesus gives us for the Jewish people. And let's make sure that we point out that those who actually did evil things to the Jewish people will face a Jewish judge. Chosen People Ministries exists to pray for, evangelize, disciple, and serve Jewish people all across the world. And we also want to help equip fellow believers to do the same. Our mission was founded in 1894 by Rabbi Leopold Cohn, and we have a zeal to share the knowledge of Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah, with God's chosen people. If you'd like to help us do the same, we invite you to go online and learn more. You'll find us at chosenpeople.com slash radio. And then be sure to take some time to explore our website and discover how you can get involved. We have short-term or long-term ministry opportunities, internships, and even prayer and volunteer opportunities. So no matter what you're looking for, there's bound to be something for everyone. Learn more today at chosenpeople.com slash radio. Welcome back. You're listening to The Chosen People. And right now, we're going to hear from Dave Brodsky, a Jewish man who grew up in a highly educated home. And Dave saw the Christian claims about Jesus as nothing more than what he had read in his mythology books, until Jesus revealed himself in a supernatural way. To be or not to be, that is the question. That's really a question of, should I live or should I die? I just realized that life hurt. And the more that life hurt, the more I thought, there is something that can stop this pain, and that is death. My dad is a professor of physics at Stanford University, so education was so important to our family. And as a result, I grew up reading all the time. One of the things I loved to read was Greek mythology. And you know, if you read enough of this Greek mythology, you see that it's these gods like Zeus who see these earth women that they're attracted to and they have children with them. All the great heroes of Greek mythology, Hercules and Perseus and Theseus, they're all these half man, half gods. You know, honestly, that's kind of the way Jesus came across to me. There's this God and he finds this, this Mary and it's, uh, they have a child and it's Jesus, the son of God. I mean, it just came across as very not monotheistic and not Jewish at all. My grandfather exchanged letters with his family in Austria back and forth until one day the letters stopped. And it was at that point that he knew that his family had been interned in concentration camps and that he would never see them again. 
Because of that experience, it was so important for me and for all my family to understand who we were as Jewish people. I grew up in the synagogue. I studied to read the Torah, and I ended up reading every week after my bar mitzvah. It influenced everything about how I grew up. My bubby, my grandmother, she was an amazing, loving woman, and you just knew her love when you were around her, and everybody loved her, too. And one day, when I was 10, she was hit by a car and killed. And it was as if life stopped. We didn't know what made sense anymore. We didn't know what was supposed to happen in the world because she was dead, and, and we buried her, and she went ashes to ashes, dust to dust, and I thought, the worms get her now? Is there anything else? What else is there? It was so overwhelming, and it just took me to a very dark place, and I felt so empty. I began to get really depressed, and I began to spiral down further and further. Over time, during that struggle, it just got harder and harder for me to go on living. And one night I went for a walk and I decided when I get home, I'm gonna end my life. I don't wanna fight this pain anymore. I was on my way home, almost to my house, when I saw a friend of mine had parked her car across the street. And as I got to my driveway, I realized it was my friend Kim. Out of the blue, she was at my house waiting for me. I had no idea why. And as she greeted me, I said, it's really not hello, it's goodbye. And she asked me what I meant, and I said, because, Kim, I'm, I'm tired of this pain. I'm going to end my life. Well, Kim asked me if she could share with me about what she believed about Jesus. And I thought, oh, here it comes. But, you know, honestly, it seemed really rude to tell her that I'd rather kill myself than hear what she believed. And I wasn't that kind of person, so I said, okay, Kim, tell me. Well, as Kim began to share with me, I was riveted. She was talking about the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and I was astounded and amazed. And the more she spoke, it was like fireworks were going off in my mind, answering all these questions I didn't even know I had. We talked for hours and hours about redemption and purpose and meaning and God I don't even remember everything we talked about, but it was mind-blowing. It got so late and I was so tired that even though I was amazed by everything we were talking about, I just needed a break. So I said, Kim, look, I, I can't think anymore, but I promise you, I won't kill myself before we talk again. I need to go to bed. The next two days, all these thoughts kept going through my mind again and again. Is this about Jesus true? Is it not true? Is this worth living for? Is the pain too great? Should I die? And all of a sudden, I'm caught off guard. It's like this smoke is pouring in underneath my door. It was like a cloud. It was ob obscure. I couldn't see, but it was coming and closing in on me. And it was like an aura around me that was shrinking and it was getting smaller and smaller. And I realized that it was simply evil. And I called out in that moment to Jesus, save me. And suddenly the cloud receded 
and it just backed away as the same way it came, funneled out, went under the door, and was gone. And all that I was left with was peace and the light in the room. Everything in my life changed from that point forward. Shortly after that, I borrowed Kim's Bible because I'd never seen a New Testament before. I guess I thought it was gonna be something weird like out of the Greek mythology that I'd been reading, but actually it seemed just like the Bible I knew. It was Yeshua. He was talking to all the people right there in Israel, his Jewish brothers and sisters, and he was teaching them from the Torah. And I didn't want to kill myself anymore because I had an answer to the pain. And I was able to keep moving forward as I sorted my life out and found meaning and purpose with Jesus. God's desire is for none to perish, but for all to come to repentance and receive eternal life. And we get to be part of that story of redemption. What an incredible privilege. But his plan also comes with a built-in priority. So what is his priority? Isaiah 62 verse 1 says, God told Isaiah to not keep quiet until Jerusalem's salvation goes forth like a torch that is burning. Jesus expressed the same urgency with his mandate to the disciples, you shall be my witnesses in Yerushalayim and even to the remotest parts of the earth. The Apostle Paul also emphasized the importance of reaching God's chosen people, the Jewish people, for Jesus. When he wrote, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Paul lived out Romans 1.16 by going to the Jewish people first, no matter where he preached throughout Asia Minor. Paul alluded to God's promises to Abraham, our forefather, in Genesis 12.3, and also predicted that Israel's salvation would create a great blessing for all the nations of the world. For he wrote, if their rejection is the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? Romans 11:15. Paul believed that the Jewish people's salvation was the key to the fulfillment of Messiah's kingdom and his reign on earth. And as believers, this is our deepest desire and our great expectation, our great hope. We want to see Jesus return. You're listening to The Chosen People, which is produced and sponsored by Chosen People Ministries. And if you'd like to learn more about this ministry and our priority to reach the Jewish people with the gospel, we would love to hear from you. Just visit us online at chosenpeople.com radio. Bobby, as you know, Chosen People Ministries has been reaching the Jewish people with the gospel, teaching in churches all over the United States for over 128 years. And we would love to share these amazing presentations with our listening family and your local churches. So please get in touch with us today. You can go to our website, leave us a message saying, please come to our church and then have a word with your pastor and say, I, I asked chosen people to reach out to us and, and to be able to come to our church or you can have your pastor reach out directly to us. And uh, if you just tell us that you're listening, we're gonna send you a free gift to the Jew first in the 21st century. The number to dial is 888-2-YESHUA, 888-2-YESHUA. That number again is 
293-293-7482. Or you can just request a copy of Dr. Al Mohler's insightful book, To the Jew First, when you visit us online at chosenpeople.com forward slash radio. And now let's close today's program with the ironic benediction. Yivarechacha Adonai v'yishmarecha Ya'er Adonai panavalecha v'yichunecha Yisa Adonai panavalecha V'yaseim lecha Shalom May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and be gracious to you. May the face of the Lord shine upon you and give you peace. B'Shem Shel Yeshua HaMashiach, Sar Shalom, in the name of Jesus the Messiah, the Prince of Peace.